future. It's good to be saved tonight. Amen. Yes. I'm glad we got the freedom and the liberty and a place where God's moving where we can come on a Saturday night and have church. Amen. Yes. And I'm thankful. i got friends here from North Rockwood or up there above Spring City in Rockwood. Thankful for them being here tonight and each of you being here. If you will, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter number 1. Uh, I've had the gospel on my heart the past several hours, and I, I just really feel compelled to preach the gospel tonight. And uh, it, it, I'm going to make an application to save folks, but I used to get disappointed, Brother Tim, when I'd hear somebody announce that, that I'm going to preach the gospel. You know, and uh, but I'll tell you this, Paul wrote, and me and Preacher were talking about the other night, Paul wrote in Romans 1 that he couldn't wait to come to them to preach the gospel to them. And they were saved people. And we need the gospel just like the lost world needs the gospel. Amen. And I thank God for the preaching Brother Terry's been doing the past few nights. Let's stand for the reading and reverence of God's word tonight. <clears throat> I'll give you the message that God's put on my heart and be sensitive to the time uh, that we have. First Peter chapter number 1, verse number 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the sweet spirit of God that's present in here tonight. I pray that, dear God, that you not leave us alone or leave us to ourselves. I pray that you forgive me of where I failed you since we last time we spoke. I pray that you fill me with the Holy Ghost of God. Give me unction and liberty and understanding to preach, thus saith the Lord tonight. And I pray, dear God, if there be anybody here lost tonight that's never been saved, dear God, never been born again, I pray that you draw them unto yourself and that they be saved tonight. I pray, dear God, that if there's anybody here tonight that, that's down Doubting their salvation or struggling with it, dear God, that this message would help them uh, and, and, and they just trust you with their salvation, dear God. And it, dear God, touch us saints, dear God, that we would go and tell a lost and dying world that you need, they need a Savior and you are the Savior. We love you tonight. We'll give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Might be seated tonight. As I look at these verses, I saw in verse number 1, I see the strangers in these verses. Now, Peter is writing to a group of believers, first century believers. This is a, later on in Peter's life. He's an older man here, and he's looking back, and the, the church has multiplied itself and multiplied itself. It wasn't through church splits, amen, but it was through church planning, amen. And they went out to the regions beyond. They went unto Jerusalem. That's, a, that's across your street, amen. Then they went unto Judea, that's across your, your, your country. And they went to Samaria, that's across your country. And then they went to the uttermost parts of the world. So Peter, these people are strangers. They, they've been scattered abroad. They've been put in places that they didn't know each other. They didn't know other people. And so they were strangers where they were at. And that meant that they didn't understand the culture. And they didn't understand the language. And they were foreigners. They were pilgrims where they were at. Sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? Amen. Hey, if you're truly Say, hey, I'm telling you, we are strangers in this land. Amen. We are pilgrims and strangers. 
hey, and this world ought to be foreign to us. I know we have to live in this world, but I'd rather be like Abraham and then live in this world by faith than to be like Lot and live in this world by the flesh. Amen. So there's strangers he's writing to, but then we see, nextly it said that they were scattered, and that meant that they were under persecution, that the, the governments and the religious systems of the world at that time had come into where they were at and they by, by ways of persecution and crucifixion and all of these wicked things they were pushed and pushed and pushed now I, there's twofold purpose I believe God helps us at the, through persecution I know that sounds strange but I believe this I believe that uh, if you read about the first century church at first they did they weren't wanting to just get out and go they were kind of uh, hesitant because of their Jewish background but God used persecution to send revival fires throughout the world and I'll tell you what we're seeing today we're seeing revival in other countries and they're praying that they never have it like Americans have it because they say it's the persecution that is uh, uh, spreading the revival fires and spreading the gospel in other countries and friend of mine I'm not asking for persecution y'all hear me but I'm telling you it do us good to face a little persecution and uh, a little bit of ridicule uh, for our Christian faith and make us really get out there and go uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ but this is where these people were uh, so I believe if you read First and Second Peter in its context I believe Peter was wanting to comfort and console these first century Christians these people that were strangers in a strange land these people that had been pushed out of their homes and pushed out of their familiarity because they were scattered they were persecuted uh, but uh, if all the things that he could have uh, comforted them with it even says at the back end of verse 2 it says grace unto you and peace be multiplied the first thing that he deals with was not the coming of the Lord the first thing that he deals with though he does deal with it is not the destruction of the wicked at the last day that was not it the, 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 the first thing that he deals with is not separation or sanctification but you want to know the first thing that Peter deals with when he's, he's writing to these people that are strangers and these people that are scattered he, the first thing he picks up his pen and writes about is the fact that they were saved amen and that though they may be strangers and that they may be scattered abroad though they may be facing persecution though they may be pilgrims in a strange land hey that they could have comfort in the fact that they were saved and that they were born again and they were on their way to heaven amen it may not be God's design and desire uh, to take us out of here before it gets real bad. Now you hear me, I believe we'll be out of here before the, the great tribulation, the tribulation you understand. I'm not talking about that, but I do believe you say, well, we ain't going to see persecution. We're safe, folks. Go tell that to the Christians in North Korea, amen. Go tell that to the Christians in Egypt and Sudan. Hey, friend of mine, they're facing persecution in our day. And I'm telling you, friend, if Jesus doesn't come back uh, in, in a little while. Amen. I believe we'll see it here on our soil. I believe God has shed His grace on America one more time and that given us, you know my favorite thing about uh, uh, Donald Trump is that he's not Hillary Clinton. Somebody say amen right there. That's my, that's, that's my favorite thing about him is that he's not Hillary Clinton. Amen. I say somebody shout on that. Praise God. Hey, but I'll tell you tonight, it's just by the grace of God that we're not under a tyrant tonight and we don't know what the future 
future holds. Hey, but a future, if the future holds us being persecuted, if the future holds uh, economic collapse, whatever the future holds, I'm glad tonight that I'm in the one who holds the future, and the one who holds the future is in me. Amen. Now, if you're going to be comforted in your conversion, number one, you've got to be saved. And I believe, number two, it helps to know why and how you were saved. So tonight, if you're here and you're lost, I'm preaching this to you in hopes that, that, that the Holy Ghost of God would turn the light on in your soul and that you would get saved tonight. But if you're here and you're saved tonight, my, my desire is that you would grab a hold to these truths and grab a hold to these the, the, the depths of the riches of the Lord Jesus Christ and realize that it's nothing we're doing to keep us saved and it's nothing we've done to, to get us saved, but it's all through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So the first thing I see, I'm going to deal with that dirty word right there at the beginning of verse 2. Amen. Elect. Amen. Now that's not a cuss word and neither is it a Calvinist word. Somebody help me. Amen. I'm not going to let a Calvinist scare me away from Bible words. Amen. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let a, a charismatic scare me around from shouting. I'm not going to let a contemporary uh, scare me away from using the word love and, and compassion. Amen. Hey, but I'm definitely not going to let them steal the Bible word. This word elect, if you it don't turn there tonight, but I believe it's Isaiah 42. If you look there, you'll see that God, through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost through Isaiah, calls Christ his elect. And I believe that and there's times in the Bible and preachers preach great messages on it but when uh, there, there's times when uh, um, Israel is God's elect and the things of that nature but I believe tonight that God elected us in Christ amen when you get in Christ Jesus this does not mean that God sat up in heaven and said he looks funny so he's going to hell and he's this color so she's going to hell and he doesn't do no God never has done that amen that's not what elect means that means that before the foundations of the earth that he had chose us in Christ Jesus, amen. And when you get saved, you get in Christ and you become a part of the elect, amen. Woo, amen. I feel like preaching tonight, praise God. But then I see the word according. That, that, that I'm not trying to change the Bible. That word simply means because of. We are saved because of some things. We are elect because of some things. So I want to look at those things tonight. We're saved, number one, because of the foreknowledge of God. Now, just for alliteration's sake, I want to say we're saved because of the sight of God. Now, don't let that word foreknowledge scare you either. That does not mean that God makes certain people get saved and makes certain people get lost. What that means is not that God chose it, but that God sees it. Amen? Right. Now, I, I, y'all know what I know tonight? And y'all, y'all just, uh, this is what I know. I know that the Braves won... <laughs> The World Series in 1995. You say, well, of course, we all know that. And it's been so long ago, some folks have forgot. Amen? But you know why I know that? Because it's already happened. You know what? I had a meeting book this past week, and in all I've been going there for six years, and all I had every intention, Brother Doyle, of going. I had it on my calendar, but I do not have foreknowledge. I could not see what God was going to do in this meeting. I could not know. And I'm glad God doesn't give us foreknowledge. He could have gave us any of His attributes because we are created in His image. And He chose not to give us foreknowledge because I would hate to have foreknowledge and not have omnipotence, amen, or all power. I would be scared to death of that, amen. But you hear me tonight. Foreknowledge is God seeing things. The Greek word behind foreknowledge is the word prognosis. Now, how many of y'all ever heard that word? 
prognosis. It's a medical word. It's, it, it is a Greek word, but I'm not going to try to define that word. I'm going to give you a word picture with it. Brother Ladd, say I, I was sick and all these things. I went into the doctor, and <clears throat> the doctor uh, uh, made a diagnosis. He ran all these tests, the blood work and the x-rays and all that stuff, and they did a diagnosis. That tells me what's wrong with me. And what he's going to do is he's going to, after he gives me a diagnosis, he is going to give me a prognosis. He's going to say, Mr. Hewitt, if you don't do this, this, and this, you're going to die. Now, y'all following me now? I want to tell you tonight, the foreknowledge of God, amen, is a prognosis. You know what our prognosis was? That before the foundations of the earth, hey, he knows the beginning from the end. He knows the first from the last. Hey, and friend of mine, in God's mind, he can look back to the fall. In God's mind, he can look back to bloody Calvary. But in God's mind, he can let John write about people shouting around the throne in eternity because God sees all. And you know what God saw? He looked down and saw Chris Hewitt and he saw, he looked down and saw Laddie Lines and, and Paul Janot. He saw every one of us. He saw the whole human race and he made a diagnosis hey, that we were sick in our sin, that we were all sinners, we were all undone, and we were all unjust. And you know what he said after he really, he saw the, the diagnosis? He made a prognosis. He said, you know what? If something's not done, hey, there's good, there's going to be death and hell for every one of them and I'm glad he didn't leave us to ourselves brother Brad hey but I'm glad he not just seen what was wrong with us he didn't just see the end hey but I said it already Calvary wasn't plan B Calvary was plan A and Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth and God he made a cure and that's the precious blood of Christ amen Amen. So friend of mine, don't you think God sat there and said this one's going to heaven and this one's going to hell and this one's going... No, friend, God saw who rejected him and God sees who believes in him. But God in his foreknowledge, in prognosis, he made a way for everybody, every man, woman, and child. Hey, the blood wasn't just shed for those who repent. The blood was shed for every man, woman, boy, and child. Amen. I see the sight of God. We're saved tonight because of the sight of God. God saw you in your sin and He made a way for you to be saved. But then I see nextly it said we're saved through the sanctification of the Spirit. Now, most of us are familiar with this word sanctification after salvation. Now, the word itself means to draw unto holiness. Brother, uh, Brother Grant, can you stand up right there where you're at? Now, for sake of illustration, Brother Grant's going to be Jesus tonight. Now, Brother Caleb, stand up with me. <clears throat> After you get saved, there is a work that begins inside of you that, 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 that the Holy Ghost does. And it's the work of sanctification. After you get saved, it automatically, you don't have to tell the Holy Ghost to start this. You don't, your pastor doesn't have to crank start it. If you truly get saved, it will start within you you will begin being sanctified. And the, 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 whether you're surrendered or not will be how much sanctification is worked in and out of your life. Now, sanctification is that not to be like the preacher and not to be like the evangelist or the missionary. Sanctification, because there's only one holy. And, that's, and I, Brother, I know that's Brother Grant, but Christ is the only holy one. 
So sanctification is the Holy Ghost as you're yielded and surrendered, allowing the Holy Ghost to draw you unto holiness and make you more like Christ and make you more Christ-like and compassionate. And at the end of our journey, God forms us into the image of His Son. But this is free salvation. Y'all see that? He is talking about what it takes for us to be saved. What it takes for us to be a part of the elect. It's the same word. Brother Grant, that word sanctification, draw into holiness. You know what the, the key ingredient in our services and in our life is? Everybody in here probably believes in God. But you know what takes that belief from a head belief to a heart belief is the sanctification of the Spirit. Brother Sammy said it a million times, no conviction, no conversion. Amen? You know what it takes for a sinner to be saved? The whole world's not under conviction. There's not a universal conviction. You can't just give somebody give somebody a verse and say, say a prayer. There has to be Holy Ghost conviction on this thing. Amen? And it's all a balance. So friend of mine, in order to be saved, there has to be a sanctification of the Spirit. There has to be a drawing of the sinner to Christ. And friend of mine, that's the only way we can be saved. Amen. You can go sit down. You know what the Bible says in John 16? He says that when He has come, talking about the Holy Ghost, He will reprove. That word reprove means convict. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and they see me no more. Hey, and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Amen. Hey, I'm telling you tonight. Hey, you can, hey, friend of mine, we can, I've seen it before and I'm not being critical. But you can get a room full of eight-year-olds and ask them if they all want to go to heaven. I believe an eight-year-old can be saved. I'm not saying they can't. But friend of mine, every eight-year-old I've ever met wants to go to heaven. Amen. And you can get all them 36 eight-year-olds to lift their hand. And you can say, well, if you want to go to heaven, say this prayer right here. Oh, dear God, I'm a sinner. Dear God, I'm a sinner. And then you go run them through the sinner's prayer. And you know what? You'll have 36 professions. But unless the Holy Ghost of God is at work in the drawing and saint, the drawing unto holiness, there'll be no salvation. Amen. Friend of mine, Jesus said himself, John 6, 44, No man cometh unto me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him. Amen. He'll reprove you. He'll convict you of sin. The sin of unbelief. Amen. That is the sin that sends men to hell. Amen. Hey, I'm telling you, it's wicked that people are fornicators and sodomites and adulterers and drunkards. Hey, but all that isn't what sends men to hell. The sin of unbelief is what sends men to hell. You say, well, I believe. Well, so do the devils. And they fear, according to James, is it chapter 3? They Chapter 3 or 4, they fear and tremble. In Matthew 9, y'all remember? Matthew 9, those two devil-possessed people come to, to Christ. And they said, Jesus, thou son of David, son of God. They knew his person. They believed in the person of Christ. Then they said, did you come to torment us aforetime? They knew the plans. They believed in the plans of God. At the end of this age, they're going to be destroyed. And Brother David, then they said, if you're going to cast us out, cast us into those swine. They believed in the power of Christ. And they're still devils. And they're still on their way to hell. Hey, they believed all of that up there. But they had no heart knowledge of God. Met a Catholic girl 
Last year, we got to witness to her and preacher, she said, I believe the gospel. She said, I believe that Jesus died and rose again and, and ascended. But the problem is, is she believes that in her head, but she's trusting, she's put her faith in the catechism and in mass and in being sprinkled as a child. Y'all listening to me? Yes, we have a head knowledge, but friend of mine, the Holy Ghost is the only one that can make you quit not just believing it in your head, but He can take and turn the light on and make you realize that you need a Savior in your heart. It doesn't say with the head man believeth unto righteousness. It says with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Amen. See, the sanctification we're saved because of the sight of God. The sanctification of the Spirit skipped down a little bit. Through, and, and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. The old timer said that God thought it, the Holy Ghost wrought it, and Jesus bought it. Amen? That's the old outline on this thing. Brother Lamar, the, the sprinkling of the blood of Christ... You know what? Adam in the garden, he fell, he messed up, him and Eve sinned. And you know what God had to do? He had to shed blood. And you know what you know what Abel was doing? He was shedding blood. It, it wasn't through vegetables. It was, it's never been through works. It's always through, been through the blood of Christ. And works have never worked. It's always got to be the work of the blood. Amen. Hey, and then Abel shed blood. And we go down and Noah shed blood. The first thing he did when he got off the ark, he shed blood. And Abraham shed blood. And Isaac shed blood. And Jacob shed blood. And Moses and the Hebrew children as they came out as they sung tonight they had to shed blood and on and on the rites and the rituals they shed blood because it was temporal because it was a covering it was just an atonement it was just an appeasement until the next year hey but friend of mine all through the Old Testament you know what they were looking for they were looking for the blood that really worked they were looking through the blood for the blood that would last amen and can I say friend of mine when they when our darling Savior bled his blood that was not the blood of man Hey, I, science proves this science proves this medical science that you know that you didn't. You do not get your blood makeup from your mother you get your blood makeup from your father and a friend of mine Mary was Jesus' mother Hey, but friend of mine Joseph was not his daddy his daddy was from a planet a long ways away from here he was from the heavens amen hey, God was the father of Jesus Hey, I'm telling you tonight, friend, that was the blood of God. Hey, that was running through his veins. Hey, and from the whipping pot from the garden where he sweat his great drops of blood, when they begin to smite him through the mock trial, hey, through all the hitting and the ripping and the and the beating, hey, through the cat of nine tails, all of that blood, it was not spilled. It was shed. A spilling is an accident. A shedding was on purpose. And I promise you, neighbor, that Christ shed his blood on purpose hey and I'm glad glory to God he walked up Calvary's hill and brother Lamar I read it again the other day uh, 2 Corinthians 5 he that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God hey brother Grant he didn't just take sin on him he that was holy he that was righteous he that was pure became sin he became my sin he became your sin and friend of mine he went 
on Calvary's hill. He hung naked between God and man in shame and in agony. Oh, what condescension. Oh, what glory. Hey, in front of mine, hey, that blood, every bit of it was shed. God turned the lights out on his darling son and all the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. Remember, they didn't have to break his legs because he was already dead. And what did, that, what did that soldier do? He shoved that spear in his side. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He was a medical doctor before he became a preacher. He said this. He said that the only way that water can pour forth out of, the, of a human body like that is if all the blood has been shed first. Brother Lamar, that, all that soldier is letting us know is that Christ didn't just shed some blood. That Christ didn't just shed a portion of blood, but Christ shed every bit of his blood. And can I say it again? It was not temporal blood, Brother Chris. It was not temporary blood. It was not man's blood. But the reason the blood will always do the job, the reason the blood will always work, the reason the blood is powerful enough to save everyone, to save everyone, is because it was the blood of God. It wasn't just a cover. It wasn't just temporal. It was eternal. Can you imagine? I don't know how it all went. There's greater preachers here than I am. But I'm preaching right now. Amen. This is what I thought about. All those years in the Old Testament. And that blood hitting the altar. That temporal blood. The blood of animals. The blood of bulls and goats and doves. That, that, that altar was... Crying out more, 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 more. But when the blood of Christ, when the blood of Christ went on the altar, the altar for the first time, what wasn't more and more and more. But boys, it, he, that altar began to cry out, satisfied, satisfied, satisfied. What can wash away my sins? Not water baptism. Hey, not good works, not, not standards and convictions, not, less, not doing all these things. What can wash away my sin? Hey, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I believe tonight, I just want to go on record saying if the whole world fell under conviction tonight, repented and put their faith in Christ, it wouldn't even put a deficit in the blood of Christ. (laughs) Hallelujah. I want to say this though. I see you're saved tonight because of the sight of God, because of the sanctification of the Spirit, because of the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. But there's a word in the middle. Now, I ain't being hard tonight. I preached on conviction, so I've hit one side, and I'm, I've hit the Calvin. I've hit both sides, I feel like, tonight. Amen. But you hear me tonight. There's one word that this verse hinges on. See, God's already done all of that. The Holy Ghost and Jesus and God the Father, they've already done their part, and they're doing their part. But you know what this verse hinges on? There's 31 words in this verse. You count 16 in to, to, from the front, 16 in from the back. You know what word you'll, find, you'll arrive at each time? The word obedience. Every bit of that's already been done. 
It takes the sight of God for you to be saved. It takes the sanctification of the Spirit for you to be saved. It takes the sprinkling of the blood of Christ for you to be saved. But good neighbor, it takes a submissive sinner to be saved. You cannot, every bit of that is vain in your life and means nothing in your life. If you've never repented, put your faith in the gospel. Obeyed the gospel. Amen. Can I say, glory to God, can I say tonight that you can be saved? You can be saved tonight. The way's already been paid. The Holy Ghost is drawing. God the Father saw you. Hey, the God, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, He paid the way. The Holy Ghost is doing the work of drawing tonight. And friend of mine, if you'll quit running, if you'll quit depending, if you'll keep, quit trusting on everything else but Christ and put your faith completely and wholly in Jesus Christ, you can be saved. I got three minutes I heard it said like this I heard it said that if I was out in the ocean drowning tonight and I was doing everything I could I was paddling and paddling and paddling trying to stay above water and I keep going down under and under more and more eventually you ain't going to be able to doggy paddle anymore you're not going to be able to save yourself it's impossible but Brother Gravely comes by in the USS Bible, pulls up, and he has a life preserver that says grace on it. And he says, Chris, I'm about to throw you this grace. And if you'll quit trying, if you'll quit paddling, if you'll quit working and just grab a hold to that grace, you can be saved. And he throws that thing out there. Brother Dave, you know what I got to do? I, you know what I got to do in order to be saved by that life, preserve that, that grace? I've got to quit doing all my paddling. And I got to quit doing all my working. And I got to cut trust completely and wholly in that grace. I can't grab a hold to grace while I'm trying to depend on my baptism and while I'm trying to depend on my church membership and trying to depend on my position. And trying to depend on all my good works, I can't, I can't grab a hold to grace. That's why repentance and faith are joined at the hip. Amen. In order to truly put my faith in Christ for salvation, I've got to turn from dead works and trust the living God. Amen. How about you tonight? Have you ever been saved? Maybe you're struggling tonight. And my, I didn't preach this to make you struggle more. It should make you trust Christ more. Amen. The Holy Ghost will never say, well, maybe this or maybe that or maybe you didn't say this prayer just right or what if this or what if that. The Holy Ghost will say, you are lost or you are saved. Tonight, are you comforted in your salvation? If you've never been saved, then be saved tonight. Preacher.